Thank you, Heavenly Father God, for September 8, the reading, starting the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, to verse 2, 22. Give us ears to hear, Lord. You are our youthfulness, Lord. You cause us to hear, and you open our eyes to what we can see. We ask you, Lord, that you are our Father, Lord, and thank you, Lord God, that you supply all our needs, all our wants, everything we could possibly desire according to your riches, your glory, your wisdom, your power, your love, Lord. We thank you for being a daddy to us, Lord. Thank you for enlarging our territory. Thank you, Lord, that your anointing of Christ's sanctification is upon us. Thank you, Lord, that you keep us from evil, from the power of the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and your word. And we thank you for your your will and your kingdom. And, Lord, we thank you that you keep us from all evil. And God perform what we requested. Amen and amen. Isaiah chapter 1. These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the year when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raise and care for have rebelled against me. Even an ox notes its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. <clears throat> my people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts, and infection wounds, without any soothing ointment or bandages. Your country lies in ruin and your towns are burned. Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything they see. Beautiful Jerusalem stands abandoned like a watchman shelter in a vineyard, like a lean to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of us, we would have been... <coughs> We would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. Listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to practice through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As for your celebration of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, 
They are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourself and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the right of widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. See how Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute? Once the home of justice and righteousness, she is now filled with murders. Once, like pure silver, you have become worthless slag. Once so pure, you are now like watered-down wine. Your leaders are rebels, the companions of thieves. All of them love bribes and demand payoffs, but they refuse to defend the cause of orphans or fight for the rights of widows. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, the mighty one of Israel, says, I will take revenge on my enemies and pay back my foes. I will raise my fist against you. I will melt you down and skim off your slag. I will remove all your impurities. Then I will give you good judges again and wise counselors like you used to have. Then Jerusalem will again be called the home of justice and the faithful city. Zion will be restored by justice. Those who repent will be revived by righteousness. But rebels and sinners will be completely destroyed, and those who desert the Lord will be consumed. <clears throat> you will be ashamed of your idol worship in groves of sacred oaks. You will blush because you worship in gardens dedicated to idols. You will be like a great tree with withered leaves like a garden without water. The strongest among you will disappear like straws. Their evil deeds will be the spark that sets it on fire. They and their evil works will burn up together and no one will be able to put out the fire. This is a vision that Isaiah son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days the mountains of the Lord's house will be the highest of all the most important place on earth. It will be raised above other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will meditate mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. Some come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For the Lord has rejected his people, the descendants of Jacob, because they have filled their land with practices from the east and with sorcerers, as the Philistines do. They have made alliances with pagans. Israel is full of silver and gold. There is no end to its treasures. Their land is full of war horses. There is no end to its chariots. Their land is full of idols. The people worship things they have made with their own hands. So now they will be humble and all will be brought low. Do not forgive them. Crawl into caves in the rocks, hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of His majesty. Human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humble. Only the Lord will be exalted on the day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty and bring down everything that is exalted. He will cut down the tall cedars of Lebanon and in all the mighty oaks of Bashan. He will level all the high mountains and all of the lofty hills. He will break down every high tower and every fortified wall. He will destroy all the great trading ships and every magnifying and every magnificent vessel. Human pride will be humbled, and human arrogance will be brought low. Only the Lord will be exalted on the day of judgment. Idols will completely disappear. When the Lord rises to shake the earth, his enemies will crawl into holes in the ground. They will hide in caves in the rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. On that day of judgment, they will abandon the gold and silver idols they made for themselves to worship. They will leave their gods to the rodents and bats while they crawl away and into caverns and hide among the jagged rocks in the cliffs. They will try to escape the terror of the Lord and the glory of His majesty. As He rises to shake the earth, don't put your trust in mere humans. They are as frail as breath. What good are they? Okay, Second Corinthians 10, 1-18. Now I, Paul, appeal to you, Corinthians, with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. 
I'm not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person, he's weak and his speeches are worthless. Those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be forceful as we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these men, other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about things done outside our authority. We will boast only about what has happened with the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we have never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend, themsel commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Psalm 52, 1-9 Why do you boast about your crimes, great warrior? Do you realize God's justice continues forever? All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to destroy others with your words, you liar. But God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see it and be amazed. They will laugh and say, Look what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God. They trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I'm like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. Proverbs 22, 26-27 Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else if you can't pay for it. Even your bed will be snatched from under you. All right, now this is our commentary. Uh, my commentary is today's study comes out of Isaiah 1, 10, 14, four verses. Israel's religious leader carefully adhered to the tradition, sacrifice, and offerings, and holy celebrations, but they were still unfaithful to, to God in their hearts and felt no sorrow for their sins. God was calling them to give gifts that reflect hearts of sincere faith and genuine devotion. Why did the people of Israel continue to offer sacrifice even after the, their fate had grown cold? Like many people today, they had come to place more faith in the ritual of their religion than in the God they worship. Or perhaps they were hiding their sins by just going through the motions. 
Sacrifice of any sort are to be an outward sign of true faith in God, but the outward signs became vacant rituals, but no faith exists. <clears throat> Gifts and sacrifices mean nothing to God when they come from someone with a corrupt heart. God wants us to love Him, trust Him, and turn from sin. After that, He will be pleased with our sacrifices of time, money, or service. We examine our, our own worship and experience. It is just, is it entertaining for us? Or are you just, are we going through the motions? Thank you, Heavenly Father, that through the Holy Spirit we get to do the right thing. And then the most asked questions, this answer says, Why did Isaiah condemn such religious people for hypocrisy? Isaiah preached to people who seemed to be very religious. They fasted, prayed, celebrated holy days, and brought their sacrifices to the temple. Yet, God rejected their worship. The Lord himself had prescribed these rituals, so why did he reject them? The people who worship was not from the heart, and they did not match these rituals with the personal holiness and social justice that God requires. The people of Judah have fallen into the trap of religion religious hypocrisy. Religious hypocrisy can result from selective obedience, giving up, giving lip service to God's law without a change of heart and lifestyle to back it up. People who parade their piety in front of others often have little desire to truly obey God. Many years after Isaiah, Jesus con confronted this kind of hypocrisy in the Pharisee. He challenged them to be better doers of God's whole Revelation rather than just parts and br that brought them recognition and honor. Matthew 23, 23. The Apostle Paul and James also distinguished between mere religiosity and true spirituality. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 23 and James 1, 21 to 13. Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees also served as a warning to us. We are not to be like them. Matthew 6, 1 through 8. 1 Peter 2.1 Instead, Jesus calls us to be honest about ourselves before God and with others, to obey His entire word, and to go beyond mere formalism and appearance in our devotions to God. You know, it just comes to mind that uh, when I started thanking God, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, do I just say, oh, thank you, God, for this situation? Do mm -hmm. I really mean it from my heart? Because mm -hmm. because I just take it like thanking God for the for a problem. It's almost like a coming to a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. You know, I think I always need improvement. Improvement is the biggest room in the house. And I, I think that uh, checking my heart or see if I can make it more compassionate that I'm thanking Him, that He's there for once. Mm -hmm. There's so, that God is there. You know, and He wants to help. That should give me compassion, you know. He wants to help like a father. I just, I pray that I worship him more with praise and, and thanksgiving from a true heart. Yeah. What do you think? That's true. That's true, you know. We have to, I think, still use the word as to why we're thankful. You know, we have to remind ourselves... He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our, our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You know, He is the God of deliverance. He is the God of um, wisdom. He's, he's everything we need. And when you thank Him for whatever it is your problem is, 
you're calling on the power of God to, you know, to, to come in and rescue you from your problem. Mm-hmm. With a, with just it could be peace he's just going to give you as you endure through the through the trial or but or he could send you know angels on dispatch to to ambush the enemy for you you know he has this, the main thing is there's a solution and that's what we're looking at that it's God's solution coming our way and that there's hope and there's faith Amen. and miracles happening all the time around us so you know I I, I get this part where they're just doing this ritual thing you know and I think that you know we have to be careful about that when it becomes a ritual that you know that we you know we our heart is is uh, not doing it just because I'm supposed to because now it becomes a works issue you know I was was just praying thinking that um, we don't want to be stuck in our um, in our spiritual growth, you know, we want to mm-hmm. always want to see progress, you know, from grace to grace, from from glory to glory. Amen. And uh, and we're seeing God, you know, fulfilling our every little desires Amen. here and there. You yeah. Know, fun, entertainment, wisdom, mm-hmm. power, strength, mm-hmm. uh, love, joy, you know, and, and certainly we want to stay thankful and grateful. Um, and not become a contempt of so many blessings. Yeah, you know, the first thing that came to me as we're reading this beginning of Isaiah says, What makes you think I want all your sacrifices? Says the Lord, I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fattened calf. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing your meaningless gifts. At first, I started like feeling like he said this is kind of said a little bit in Psalm 50, but not as as uh, blunt as it says here, because it, it it's actually it says, "Hear me, O people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God." I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house nor goats out of your foals, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? It says here in 14, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. And it goes on to say, Call me, upon, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Um, beautiful, so beautiful. it just kind of like it was a it was a contrast that I picked up right away. And I, I put here Psalm 50 question mark because you know the Lord doesn't need these things. He owns everything on the cat on the cattle of a thousand hill, and um, you know ceremonies don't impress him. <laughs> You know, childlike faith does. You know, um, worshiping in spirit and truth pleases him. Amen. So praise God. That, I, I I thought I didn't have anything, but that was the only thing I had put here on the question mark that that God is. You know, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't recognize that back then. And I like the way Isaiah it says these are the visions that Isaiah son of Amos saw. Um, 
So we're going to see a lot more of those coming in as we go through the book. Amen. Now concerning uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 18 says, um, yeah, before we, 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 before we yes. um, it says here, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house with, will be the highest of all. It's the, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. And he will be a mediator between yeah, nations. Yes, and stuff. yes, and, yes. Uh, and that did happen. It happened. Yeah. Because remember, Peter says, These are the last days. Yeah. When Jesus came up, they considered that's the last days when he came, he was born, uh -huh. and he walked in there. And remember, yeah. the Greeks were already there wanting to talk to Jesus. But mm -hmm. people were already coming from all over the world to get that counsel. But when Jesus put the, uh, you know, the uh, seeking God, they would come from Ethiopia. Mm. That's good. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. You know, the, the Jesuits, mm. <clears throat> the Jesuits order did a lot of that when they were on their glory days. And you read their... <clears throat> they what they did they would they would take and pray and fast and they had a whole bunch of people Jesuits and they would bring you know and they would make peace between nations and so forth and they would hear from God mm. they were you know I, I read the the way that they would you know their disciples were um, in the cutting edge in the last days the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all amen Good visions, Isaiah. Okay, in 2 Corinthians 10.1, the, uh, the study says, Paul is using military terminology to describe this warfare against sin and Satan. God must be the commander-in-chief. Even our thoughts must be submitted to his control as we live for him. Spirit and power believers must capture every thought and yield it to Christ. Like Paul, we are merely weak humans, but as believers, we don't need to use human plans and methods to win our battles. Mm, God's mighty weapons are available to us as we fight against the devil's strongholds. Paul assures us that God's weapons, prayer, faith, hope, love, God's word, and the Holy Spirit are powerful and effective. See Ephesians 6, 13, 18. These weapons can overcome proud human arguments against God and the walls that Satan builds to keep people from finding God. When dealing with people's proud arguments that keep them from faith, we may be tempted to use our own methods, but nothing yeah. can pierce these barriers like God's weapons can. Yeah. Are, you, are, we, are you depending on your own strength and clever strategies to overcome the world's resistance to God? Instead, deepen your dependence on obey God by obeying Him. In the process, He will shape you into a soldier guided by His Spirit. Amen. Let me read the top line again. Like Paul, we are merely weak humans, but as believers, we don't need to use human plans and methods to win our battles. God's mighty weapons are available to us as we fight against the devil's stronghold. Paul assures us that God's weapons, like prayer, faith, 
Hope, love, God's word, and the Holy Spirit are powerful and effective. Amen. To overcome, these weapons overcome fraud, human arguments. Amen. Amen. Faith, hope, love, God's word, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Amazing. That's what I was just talking about. The Jesuits were using prayer, faith, and hope in God's word uh, to settle nations' disputes. Amen. Thank you, honey. Appreciate your reading. It says, uh, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So it's, you know, it's really important um, scripture. Um, you yeah, know, in, that, in our, uh -huh. after you have become fully obedient, mm -hmm. we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Wow. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that means. But in general, as we, you know, this is a very, you know, because it says in the scripture that we must be constantly renewed by the transforming of our mind. You know, we have the mind of Christ. Um, and where the enemy likes to attack the most is in your thoughts. Um, and planting a seed of negativity or fear or you know, um, you're never going to make it, you're, you know, see God's not, not doing anything, can't you see it's taking too long, all these negative thoughts that start to come in, or, or even with family members, you know, that, that these, that the enemy uses to plant thoughts in their mind, so it, this is just saying that we're not fighting against, um, uh, there, there are there are false arguments. Um, the accuser of the brethren. Um, what is the other scripture that comes out? Oh, we we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with uh, against uh, principalities and powers of darkness. So that's what we're up against. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's it's these princes and spirits of darkness that we're that we're, it's, we're up against, but we have weapons for that, and how we, how we bring them back into the obedience of what Christ did on the cross. So, Okay, well for me, too, is, is to get filled with love, and it only comes through the Word of God, mm -hmm, and yeah. doing the hard things, you mm -hmm. know, opening the Word of God, mm -hmm. and, and knowing the genuine thing, I can recognize faith in people, if they have hope, um, God's word is usually the one lacking in, in, mm -hmm. in effectiveness mm -hmm. in people. Mm -hmm. And even ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because we may know the word, but the enemy plants a thought, and it's an, a false argument, a false, a false statement, you know. And, and, you, and when you take the word of God and you, you say, no, devil, this is what my Christ did for me. When you, you know? quote the scripture. Yeah, you quote the scripture. As the scripture says... If you want to boast, devil, boast only about the Lord, not about me, not about my failure, not about my shortcomings. We will boast of how merciful, how how big and yeah. good, how loving God yeah. is. We boast how great is our Lord, how wonderful He is, 
How great is our God. That's what we boast about. Yeah. That he did everything for us. Salvation. He, how great is our God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I do like the one part where it says, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. Amen. Yeah. Encouraging, prophesying. Yeah, right. Encouraging. Amen. Amen.